hopefully not. <laughs> You're okay. You can rock those glasses, but me, you know, I think I, I look a little cross-eyed when I have them on. <laughs> and, uh, you don't look cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> there we go there's like a long hair on here i'm saving that for later <laughs> so okay here we are welcome to episode four thank you brian and welcome you as well for coming back <laughs> we're back we're back marilyn hughes everyone, everyone. brian malem there he is <laughs> so i really like there's this podcast that i follow and they always have a name of the podcast like what it's about mm -hmm. this one i thought because we're going to be talking about the ascension pathway uh-huh out of the mysteries of the redemption and its first book prelude to a dream so i thought this one could be called ascension and the quickening cool okay wow. I was like, what? Yeah, because I don't know what we're going to talk about. So this uh, sounds I cool. I should sounds make, fun. To make you privy to what we're <laughs> so we talked last time, there was several vignettes that we made about a, the acceleration of time. Yep. And the quickening. And before we do a deep dive into the three uh, major paths or grand phases of the soul, which uh, coincide with several monastic traditions i would like to just kind of bring up what's going on right now with this quickening and the acceleration and it almost seems biblical at times we talked two weeks ago almost two weeks ago so what do you feel is is going on in the world it does seem rather biblical doesn't it to you well there is a lot of biblicalness about it and you know the irony is is that a lot of these things that we're seeing are also related to a lot of prophecies that are you know have been going on not just biblical prophecies but you know prophecy of the popes saint malachi and um prophecies that were given by pope john the 23rd and you know there's some um people who are receiving prophecies now um who are receiving some uh very interesting things about the times that we're in so Yes, there is a, a quite a biblical flavor to the times that we are in. Absolutely. Mm. Um, you know, um, in Father Michel's uh, prophetic uh, experiences that he's shared, he's shared that, you know, we've already gotten through two out of three of the warnings of... Um, uh, of the times that are that we're entering into one of them was the resignation of pope benedict the 16th and i can't remember i gotta remember the second one what was the second one <laughs> i bet it will come uh, up and you'll be I, like it's this and i'll elucidate and i'll go much deeper <laughs> yeah and then the third one had to do which is scary, which uh, I can't remember the second one, but it's already passed, it's already happened. Mm. The third one has to do with the unseating of the current Pope with an anti-Pope. So um, yes, these are very strong, you know, uh, revelations about the, the times that we're in that are very biblical and 
go right back to the apocalypse of St. John, but there's a lot of revelations and prophecies that have been given throughout uh, the last 2,000 years since the time of Christ that are also coinciding, you know, to the saints and different popes and different uh, seers, you know, Nostradamus among them, <laughs> you know, so there's a, there's a lot of material to kind of go through, to sift through, to um, have a real understanding of what's happening. So where is this all leading to? I know that in the books that I've listened to and read of yours, and as you mentioned on our last podcast, that the Pleiadians have been in contact with you quite a bit, and then the Arcturians just as as of December, and they were talking about this quickening, this acceleration of time. And so why is it accelerate? Because I feel it in my bones. I know a lot of other people do too. It just seems like, whoa, time feels really weird right now. It's like a warp. So why is it a quickening of our soul's growth right now? Because it could go either way. What is your take on it? Well, I do think that, you know, we always have to throw out that possibility that it could go either way. Um, But, you know, I think from, uh, from the prophecies that are coming in from many sources, uh, you know, it seems like we are, you know, we're, we're in them, you know, we are in those times, you know, it's, sometimes it's hardest to see what's happening when you're in the midst of them, you know, so Father Michel speaks about these times as having started with the beginning of the first Gulf War, the first one, Gulf Storm, Desert Storm, sorry, <laughs> um, and so, you know, that, that these things have been, um, you know, building um and you know so if you actually look at what's been happening that makes sense you know we're moving towards what we're seeing others who are having mystical visions uh, are having visions similar to what i've talked about which is where we could be looking at the the unrest on our own soil whether it's war, whether it's just chaos in our streets, hard to tell right now what that means. Could be both, you know. Um, part of, um, uh, you know, and a lot of this is, you know, it could go, go either way, you know, because we are dealing with the free will of human beings. And, um, and you know, this is the ultimate. This is the, you know, what is the uh you know the uh, ultimate thing about the the coming of the apocalyptic times it's it's the battle between principalities and powers of good and evil <laughs> you know so it's exactly what it says it is you know it's it's not uh it's not nebulous at all and i think that what happens in a time like this it, it goes it becomes where it's more in our face you know um, so there's a lot of different things that we're going to see, we can see more of, we might see more of, you know, we, you know, we've talked in the past about the importance of people praying to avert, um, these types of, uh, chastisements that are coming upon us, these types of corrections that come upon us, um, that the blessed virgin has talked about this for 
several hundred years in the in the appearances she's been making around the world um, uh, and a lot very specifically at uh, Fatima but there's a lot of different uh, places that she's appeared and spoken and warned us Carabandal we have you know all kinds of um, things and we talked last time about um, there's books and videos you can look at to find out about what Mary has been telling us, we have to pray to avert and to uh, pray for peace. Um, but since so, we are entering, um, since we seem to be entering into these times, you know, we could be looking at wars and rumors of wars. We could be looking at natural disasters, cataclysms. I know that um, many people have seen, as, as, as have I, these, you know, the wars and rumors of wars, the natural disasters, and also um, the possibility of, of uh, you know, uh, uh, heavenly experiences with the asteroid, you know. I just remembered what the second sign, I think, was supposed to be, um, I think that I could be wrong, that I think it was the sign of the cross and, and Christ in the sky. Um, there was something about that. Ironically, I just posted um, uh, this amazing um, video where that happened in Ireland Ooh. on the forums at the Out-of-Body Travel Foundation forums. People can check it out. It's astonishing. Where was uh, it in Ireland? I don't remember where in Ireland, but it was in Ireland. Oh. Um, and I, I was just amazing. Two, two years ago, almost exactly. Really? Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, there's a, a how this plays out. Not sure. You know, um, the best thing that we can do is to pray. Yes. And so, in, in, you know, precisely what is it that we can pray for? Peace peace and what does that that look like peace. well peace is something that has to be coming from within the hearts of men and within the hearts of men then we can bring it within the hearts of humanity and so we have to pray for peace to come to each of us individually but then also to nations to pray for peace to the world. We have to pay, pray for, you know, and Our Lady of Fatima specifically spoke about praying for Russia and, and praying that the errors of communism would not be spread around the world. Um, and a lot of the things, there were some things that the Blessed Mother had specifically asked to be done that it is unclear um, different uh, church officials will say um, that it has been done and others will say no it wasn't done according to the way that she stated you know the visionary from Fatima Lucia sister Lucia who passed away about a month after Pope John Paul II she said that the uh, the um, criteria hadn't been met um, and so that's what I'm going on um, is what she said and that um, so as a result of this you know uh, refusal to you know 
do these things, um, these errors have spread. You know, we're seeing a lot of things uh, around the world. You know, we're seeing the, um, the errors in what's happened in Venezuela with socialism. We're seeing it in our own country now with um, a lot of far ideas. People are trying to move away from democracy, from the values that our country was founded upon. Um, and these things specifically have been brought up in Marian apparitions as uh, things that were going to uh, pull mankind away from God and that were an attack upon the human soul and that they were errors that would, you know, literally bring about the kinds of things that we are now entering. St. Padre Pio, I just felt an energy shift, so I'm paying attention. <laughs> that, was a, that was a strong switch. Um, St. Padre Pio spoke about this time with the three days of darkness and the, the children of Garabandal who had seen the Blessed Mother were told about this three days of darkness that was something that was going to come around the times of the apocalypse. Um, there are um, a lot of different ways that these types of things can play out, but what we are looking at is that the chaos that is going on inside of the human soul and inside of each one of us is now becoming external. You know, um, human beings have been given this, you know, this fun little, this fun little trick of being able to put on false spaces and being able to <laughs> cover up, you know, things that are going on underneath um, as part of our things. But what, it's not like that in the spirit world. In the spirit world, when we cross over, when we die in the afterlife, what we are is what we become. So, uh, whatever it is that we're compatible with is what we appear to be. We do not appear to be, um, we immediately morph into what that reality truly is, not what we are able to uh, make it appear to be or look like, you know. And in the human, the human form, um, We've, we've made it an art to deceive and to be, you know, um, untrue to our interior um, and to give lip service to the things that absolutely matter, the things that actually are of substance and worth and value and to our creator, our creator God. We have... Um, offended Almighty God with our arrogance and our, um, you know, there, there's so much sacrilege and blasphemy that goes on in our world now. We are so desensitized to it. You know, most, I think, I think the majority of people would not even realize an act of sacrilege or blasphemy if it was happening right in front of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's how far we've gone. Think Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's what we, we're at. 
and think about what happened there. It was completely destroyed. And so, you know, when a, when a, when a human society, you think about times of Noah and what happened there and it was completely destroyed. It had to start over, so to speak. When, when the, when the plan for humanity gets so far astray, the plan for the human soul is so far away from its original construct and its original intention and its original um, purpose, then things have to change in some way, shape or form. And, um, and so things are either created or allowed. And so this doesn't necessarily mean, and this is the hard part for people to understand, you know, so there can be things that will be created. And we have to remember, um, we're creating them. We're creating these circumstances by the nature of who we have all become. We've done it. God isn't doing anything to us. We're doing it all to ourselves. Okay, so there's creating it and then there's allowing it. And so there is always the essence of the protection that we are afforded from the angelic hierarchy that stands between the human being and God. And, you know, even between us, we have the Blessed Mother who, who stands and uh, intercedes for us with her son um, and asks for these types of things to be you know made less severe or set aside so we have all these intercessors but there is a time when th that sort of protection becomes kind of like s taken away slipped away and things become allowed so it's like I've talked a lot about how the realms of um, management and how there's the alteration of reality. And the way that works is that when people or societies or whatever are doing something through their thoughts, words, deeds, or whatever, are generating an outcome that would be contrary to the higher good of what God would deem appropriate for a particular individual or grouping or whatever, that he may send help. He may send someone to intervene, to change that, to alter it. But what happens instead when, when it gets to the point where we no longer have gratitude, we no longer have um, even the humility to acknowledge that we breathe because of an act of God, <laughs> um, then those helps can be withdrawn. And then that is when you're talking about where things are then allowed. And so 
the the things that would normally happen as a as a normal result the consequences of our thoughts words deeds those things will be allowed to play out that's what apocalypse is and that's what you know the battle between the principalities and powers is that's what karmic purification is is just a small portion of that's what this whole thing is a microcosm of so when you look at apocalypse you know every living soul can undergo an apocalypse at any time you know an end time where you know they're <laughs> you know where they're letting letting it all loose and they are allowing for the destructive potential to come in and just destroy them by the nature of their choices their thoughts their words their deeds their actions and not seeing that um but so then you go, go ahead, ahead. To you all go you ahead go, you go ahead <laughs> you also have the opposite potential which is in a society in a world when when a when a world has become so arrogant and so um so self-sufficient or at least they believe that they are so self-sufficient then then certain helps are removed and then what happens the boundaries that the things that are placed like between when when someone is generating hateful, horrible, destructive thoughts and the angelic forces that are clearing it and purifying it and processing it so that it doesn't go out and pollute humankind, that changes. We become responsible for our own generations. That means we don't have the assistance of all of the invisible protections and protectors that usually process all the nasty little things that we do or the things that we throw out in our thoughts, words, and deeds. And all of a sudden, we start seeing that, gee, we don't have these, these miraculous little interventions anymore. <laughs> all of a sudden, this quickening is going on <laughs> where the, the sum total between our thoughts and some kind of manifestation happening is getting much quicker and that's because the protections are being removed we are it's it's like when a child is required to be responsible for their actions more and you either sink or you swim and so you start throwing up all this stuff around you and all of a sudden you you haven't even acknowledged or realized that you received all this grace all this grace all this assistance energetically from your guardian angels and from all of these beings that are constantly working to bring balance to all of us in this realm and you know this is how it works um, throughout all the you know the realms of vibration which is the universal spheres um, if you don't realize it and then all of a sudden it is withdrawn and things are allowed and then it seems like all of a sudden everything's happening so fast <laughs> you see what i'm saying so it seems to me if we look at history 
and we look <laughs> at Hitler. Mm-hmm. And the German people, uh, a lot of them did not know what the heck was going on whatsoever. Exactly. What came out later. So it reminds me also, it's analogous to when you were working in the other realms with spiritual warfare mm-hmm. and lost souls. And I remember you bringing up somebody in the Mysteries of the Redemption who had done some horrid acts. But because earlier in their life they had had a somewhat of a brain injury, mm-hmm. and it affected their behavior after. Yes. Um, and so they were forgiven. They were, they were more lenient because of his actions, because of what happened to him in the past. So between that, between Hitler, between there being dark people on this Well, this particular person had an organic, an organic biological injury, which affected his ability and his behaviors. And so, yes, I just want to clarify that because we don't know if that's the case with someone like Hitler or... um, um, as far as we know, that wasn't the case with Hitler. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what Yes, but there are people, but... there are people who do have injuries, especially brain injuries and things like that. And it's a good point to be made that, um, uh, you know, where it's the, I think it's the frontal lobe um, and it affects their impulse controls. And so, you know, it's important that we know that God understands all of the elements, even the ones that we don't even know about yet, scientifically or otherwise, you know what I mean? He understands it all. So it's important that we understand that God is just. He's merciful and he is just and he understands all of those things. And he understands the, understands all of the, um, all of the things that lead up to, um, what we do in terms of all the things that have happened to us, all the things that, um, that have, that impact how we make our decisions, you know, and that goes into one of the things I talked about in the mysteries of redemption was the difference between ignorance and evil intentions, you know, wanting to cause harm versus ignorantly causing harm. Um, all these things are things that are found in energy and are, and, you know, this is one of the things that has definitely changed in the energetic fields just in the past 20 years, where there is much more acceptance and um, uh, it's, it's just much more acceptance of that kind of thing of finding it acceptable to want to cause harm in the energetic field than there was even just 20 years ago. So it's become, you know, as that's how things are accelerating, that uh, when we're talking about how things get darker, things get darker. And so that's where the principalities and powers have to come in, where it's all gonna come for, you know, come in for a bust, you know, it's gonna be the the battle, you know? (laughs) So are we being influenced by the lower darker realms? Is it bleeding over into our third and fourth dimension? Oh, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I think it's glad you asked because I guess maybe a lot of people don't realize, you know, um, uh, 
yes, of course. <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, that's an interesting question because I guess a lot of people might not realize just how much we are. You know, but it is a big big thing um you know it's funny because there are some people who have communicated with me like after having near-death experiences who became capable of seeing um you know like the demonic stuff and they're really shocked about you know how much of it's all around it's everywhere you know they're everywhere you know so don't be deluding yourself and thinking they're not they're everywhere you know, this is a battle that we are in. We're in the middle of it. It ain't, you know, it's not somewhere else. It's right here. So <laughs> you we know? have these. It's going on right here. So we have, so a lot of us are quarantined. Yeah. And there's particular souls in bodies. <laughs> and they are saying that us, we're supposed to do what they say. And they may have ill intent. And they may even have a real darkness that guides them so we can pray as much as we want if we i also heard about you can be entrained if you pray for someone who's negative to try to help their soul or try to help guide them in the right place that it can actually kind of suck you in that can happen that can happen um so you know when you're when you're praying for someone um, as you develop mystically, you will find that if you are praying for someone that it is not advisable to do so, that you'll be shown that and you'll be shown why. And sometimes the reason for it often is that, um, that they actually have alliances of a very dark nature. It's usually demonic stuff. Um, and then you do have to stop. Because what's happening is they're trying to use your prayer to energize that whatever it is they're up to. <laughs> you know what I mean? um, the other thing that you said, I didn't quite follow what you meant. Did you mean like um, dark spirits telling people what to do? Are you talking about governments? Be, and, <laughs> you know well, I mean? it could be both. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think particular. Uh, place holdings for somebody to step in and play a certain part exist on the planet and they're just like okay who's, it doesn't matter who goes in there and it's like if it wasn't hitler then it would have been george johnson or whatever and he would have played that part so it wasn't like he was this genius who <laughs> brought up to that place or some of the people nowadays that are in the media and they're the geniuses of of what's going on they're just put there by other beings and what i was also meaning that there's souls that are dark souls yes there yeah. are mm -hmm. and there there's dark souls dark. and there are even there's people who are not only dark but there are people who are demonic and there are people who have completely demonic alliances and um this is something that is very hard to un understand or see unless you see it mystically because they can appear completely normal when if you just talk into them um but it would be revealed to you because it's what lies beneath you know um what is motivating their actions 
and what is actually going on, what is actually happening. Um, and that's, you know, that's hard to uh, pinpoint without, um, you know, helping people understand this, but you know, uh, people can sometimes, especially um, people who are playing around, um, and they don't even have to be playing around, they can just, you know, uh, people who are playing around or somehow involved in any kind of thing with the darkness or demonic or even atheistic things can drag people into stuff they have no clue that they're dealing with. And what happens is they become vessels that are used for evil intents and purposes. And so for instance, let's say, let's just make something up, but these are based on real scenarios. Let's say Satan has decided that John is public enemy number one because he's bringing too many souls over to God. So he's going to just simply uh, take a hold of Bob over here who drinks a lot, get him in a car, and he's going to try to take the guy out in a DUI accident. Bob has no clue why he's doing this. He's just become an instrument of Satan has no idea how it's being done, but you can actually, if you become, a, if you're mystical, if you're a mystic, you can feel that principality and power behind that action. There is a big difference between um, an intentional act or an, un well, first of all, you know, just an accidental act or just an ignorant act or an act that is actually coming from spiritual forces of evil. You can feel it. It is an ominous and powerful thing that you can sense. And, um, and this kind of thing happens all the time. This is part of the way that Satan cuts off destinies, cuts off ways that God will come in and bring people or uh, places. He will change people's destiny. He will turn them in the wrong direction. He will change the person that someone marries. He will put them in the wrong path. He will <laughs> cut them off and they will die an early death. He will, um, any, anything you can imagine is possible. And, you know, just the same on the opposite side of that spectrum, God's armies will do the same. When you have someone who is um, praying and they are receptive to God's graces, they can become the instrument of great good, the miraculous, you know, where you have, I don't know why I did it, but God, but I just felt like God was telling me I needed to take a right instead of a left and by golly here you are stranded and i'm glad i did that because i got to rescue you you know, you know what i mean um, you know what i mean so it's those kinds of things too so it goes on both sides of the spectrum okay so you had uh, you go into part of your soul's process was to help lost souls do spiritual warfare, um, and that's 
that's part of the uh, absolution pathway, right? Mm -hmm. Discipline going into the lower realms and having to keep your light in the midst of every kind of temptation and darkness. Yep. It seems like the earth is a lot more that way <laughs> nowadays. I wanted to get into just a little bit about your process because sure. all religions are valid, as you would attest to. And you started out with one religion and then ended up writing comparative theology and is going through uh, the voice of the prophets. Uh, there is there is one invalid religion, and that is um, the satanic. satanic. And I do have to make that clear. Yes, and that exists. <laughs> yes, that is out there, and it's, it's something that's very real and very powerful, and and very dark. And uh, yeah, but we have all these other beautiful religions and spiritualities. You started with one religion and then you went through everything across the board as, as far as you could go, every kind of prophet, sage, mystic. And then you came to a particular religion that you have adopted. And I wonder if it's mostly because of it worked for you, the, for you personally during spiritual warfare, when the dark came at you, it was that tool that worked for you in the best way. And then at the same time, there's other religions where it may work for them in the best way. So it's not that we have you, this is the only answer that there's, a, you know, religions can be an answer for anybody. Uh, as I want to just put that out there to get what you have to say about it. I would say that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the father, but by him. And when he said that it was true. And, um, um, you know, I started my journey wanting to know the truth according to what the truth was, even if it contradicted what I personally believed. And it led me to the Catholic faith eventually. And um, it wasn't just the fact that, you know, ironically, yes, over time, I found that it was Catholic prayers and things that I was being shown to deal with spiritual warfare and things like that. It was actually you know, um, meeting the saints in the mystical realms. St. Padre Pio came to me a lot and pushed me in that direction. And the, uh, the actual decision point was St. Teresa Newman. Actually, I don't think she's a saint yet, but she was a stigmatist also in the 20th century. I think she died in 68. Maybe she did. I could be wrong about the year she died, but she was a German stigmatist. Um, and so she had the wounds of Christ, the bleeding wounds of Christ in her hands, her feet, and it bled from her eyes. And she was an amazing, amazing woman. And um, she came to me in a mystical vision and she said, Is, uh, it's time for you to become Catholic. And I knew, cause there was like this energy behind it. <laughs> you know, I knew it. It was, you know, it was like placed within me that it, that was true, that it was time for me to become Catholic. So that was, um, how it came to pass. And, you know, I was actually studying Catholicism for over 15 years because it was the last thing I studied because it, ironically, I didn't even think to study it because I didn't give it a second thought because, <laughs> but it ended up at the, at the very end because I had received a catalog 
and they had and I was like gosh I studied everything else I guess even though this is pointless I guess I should go ahead and try their five books for twenty dollars deal and you know just at least you know give them the good old faith effort you know and then it was it was uh you know it that that it it never stopped after that, <laughs> but it, it took me like 15 years to actually then become Catholic because I had such a difficult time <laughs> with all of my issues with the Catholic faith and, you know, among them, the issues of contraception, the fact that I believe in reincarnation, the, um, what were the others? Those were the biggies. Um, I'd say those were the big ones. Um, uh, the, the the issues about you know uh, being being at mass, being a mortal sin, uh, if you did not make it to mass or holy feast days and things like this. So I was nervous about making um, certain the commitment for a long, long time, and um, and so. I became Catholic in the year 2000, and um, so I'm still Catholic. Um, I I am more relaxed about it than I used to be. I used to, you know, you know, do the daily mass and do all these things and everything. I've kind of pulled back a bit, you know, um, and I went through some things with the church and, and so. <laughs> <laughs> because of the reincarnation <laughs> and so you know back uh, you know in uh, what year was that that would have been 2011 2011 I was charged with heresy in the Catholic Church and um, went through a two-year process it was pretty trying on my my children were young at the time we were put through exorcisms and all sorts of things in the end um, I was cleared. They, you know, they had theologians look at my books at the time that I had then, and everything was, you know, fine in the end, but um, it was difficult, and we were in a very small town, and so we went through a nice uh, medieval uh, experience, and, um, and so... And so I have pulled back a little bit just because the reality is that I, I do have some experiences and some beliefs which contradict the Catholic Church. And I need to be very um, clear and upfront about that. My, my beliefs are based on the experiences I've had. And so I haven't been able to, you know, reconcile that. I can't, I can't change that. So... Mm -hmm. And as for people who are devout, let's say Muslim or Islamic or they're Hindi or mystery religions or indigenous religions, like what would you say to them in regards to their process? And their well, I, I, I think that Mother Teresa said it best when she always said, you know, whatever you are, practice it well. If you're a Hindu, be a good Hindu. You know, so if you're a good, if you're Muslim, be a good Muslim. Um, same thing. You know, if you're Catholic, be a good Catholic. Um, uh, just do the best you can with what you are, and then you know, be, you know, let your spiritual journey be authentic and real, and and make sure that you are seeking and 
um, uh, trying to get to know the one true God, you know, um, that resides over all these religions and faiths and who spoke to all these prophets, you know. Um, there's a lot that can actually be learned by um, listening to the, that's why I'm so obsessed with ancient sacred texts, to, you know, listening to the wisdom that comes from all of these living traditions and the words of these different prophets from these different faiths and religions, because uh, they all have these different aspects that they bring to our spirit, to our, to our development as souls. And so, you know, my own personal journey, I felt that every religion brought something to me of great beauty, you know, and I have this um, real, um, there's, it's like I, it's like having this, these really warm feelings about like, oh, I remember when I read the Baha'i text. So oh, that was so awesome. I remember when I was reading, you know, when I, oh, yes, I loved Buddhism, you know, and of course, I'm always going back and forth and running around in them all. But, um, but, you know, um, I have warm memories of my different sojourns in those different fields, because those different fields of, of, uh, ironically, they're different fields of vibration and energy that uh, help us in our own spiritual, uh, you know, development that is, is, um, it's energetic. It, it, what these things do, they, they bring different energies to us. They're archetypes. Yeah, well, that yeah. too, definitely. Yes. But you know, when we talk about all these things, vibration, um, you know, each of these things, and it's not just even the religions themselves, but each of the different teachers, you know, because every religion has their saints, you know, <laughs> so you can, you can explore these different saints and each one of these teachers, um, the prophets as well, also, obviously, but then, you know, you read the writings of the the saints and the ascetics and the monks of all these different faiths, every single one of them has this different vibratory field that, um, that impacts yours, that you take with you when you take in what they have left behind. And so it's, it's, it's like being, a, that's, you know, sometimes I compare it to that, banquet table that is often spoken about, you know, the, the supper of the lamb. That's really, you know, what the ancient sacred texts are to us down below. It's the, those, the, the supper of the lamb. We, we want to, we want to take in, you know, um, one of my, uh, one of my, um, one of my spiritual counseling clients had this beautiful vision I'm going to share. Um, which was where this person was shown all these ancient texts and they, the scrolls and they were told take and eat and they just started consuming the texts, you know, and there wasn't like, it was, it was like, um, it was food, it was nutriment, it was, you know, and this is something that we don't think about you know, spiritual wisdom, taking in the knowledge of the ancient sacred text 
it's nourishment, you know, and he had to eat them quickly because there were so many and he had to take all of it in, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was like, don't, don't just sit there and get all caught up in trying to figure out what it all means. It's like, take it in quickly eat and let it digest within you. And that is partly how we allow the vibration of it to become a part of our vibration and let it pull us up is by allowing it to become a part. Um, and each one of them is so different. It's, you know, it's just so different. I mean, we don't realize how much of this stuff is out there. You know, there's a text called Training the Mind in the Great Way, which is the first text that we know of written by a Dalai Lama. It's the first Dalai Lama. And what he has to teach is so um, basic and instrumental. It's one of the, uh, it's one of those texts where I think, oh, when I was reading Training the Mind in the Great Way, <laughs> That was, that was such a mind altering experience. That was so wonderful, you know, but one of the things about it was the first Dalai Lama utilized this technique with, um, with his writing and with his disciples of love and care, where he teaches us to look upon every living being as if they were father, mother, sister, brother, child. And once we start doing that, and if, once you read through the text, because it's pounded to, into you in so many different ways as you read through the text, you know, it's like, oh, that's a neat idea. But it's when you're reading it and reading it and reading it and he presents it in all these different angles because he's you know a master a true master and then when you by the time you get to the end of it you have truly consumed it it becomes a part of you and it changes the way you look at every living thing it not only changes the way that you look at other human beings changes the way you look at every living thing and eventually it changes the way you also look at inanimate objects because you become aware of consciousness and vibration that exists within um, what we perceive as non-living inanimate objects, you know. But we become much more sensitive to um, life with this, this training the mind in the great way, you know. But that's one of, that's one of the vibrations, you know, that the first Dalai Lama had to share. But then, you know, um, you have all these other saints and all these other ascetics, you know, you, then you can go to like St. Maximus, the, conf the confessor, who was one of the early desert fathers, who was one of the big writers in the Philokalia. And what he's going to teach you, because he lived in a cave in the desert, <laughs> you know, by himself, is this, this awareness and presentness with God that only a man who lives alone in a cave in a desert <laughs> with God can teach you. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
And, and so, you know, we, we really forget that each one of these texts really is gold. We forget what the real gold is, you know, the, <laughs> we've got a lot of gold still. And these things are available to us, but people don't uh, necessarily know about them. They don't realize that they have such importance and meaning and substance to their spiritual journey. But that's why, that's why, you know, I've talked a lot about the visions that I've had about the stair step from earth to heaven that I've seen many, many times of the ancient sacred texts going up to heaven. <laughs> and the reason it's so important being that every one of these texts is the last words of a master as they are graduating this earth. Why wouldn't we want to know what they had to say when they're leaving this planet? <laughs> Why wouldn't we want to know? <laughs> now, I want to talk a little bit about the beginning of the mysteries of the redemption. And you talked about self-delusion mm -hmm. and the many layers of truth. Yes. Could you speak about that a little bit? Because what I think is that a lot of people, their glasses are already full and there's no space to bring in new things. And then plus it's almost a little bit like food coloring. You put like one drop of something in your water and it's like, whoop, now it's red or it's blue or it's black. And, and so how self-delusion takes us out of the possibility of being or allowing ourselves to be much more than we would if we weren't self-deluded. Well, let's go with self-delusion first because that's a big one, and that is so important to every living soul. So let's start with that one. Um, and I'll start this with, you know, when I was 29, I had this one um, uh, mind-blowing out-of-body experience, um, and I was shown my whole life in you know from a different context and i was able to see that everything i had ever done um was for self-serving motivation so even the good things that i had done had been for self-serving motivations and i remember that when i came out of this it was like two weeks of really being a mess you know? <laughs> like oh my god you know because literally when you have that sort of thing um you you know your your full cup has just been spilled over and everything that you thought was in that cup has now been labeled as irrelevant and you know um ironically bringing that up today is interesting because one of my spiritual counseling clients um, who would not mind if I shared this, um, who has been struggling for quite some time. And I had been working with this person and struggling to get a breakthrough on the fact that the focus was on worldly pursuits and that they couldn't see that this had turned them in a completely different direction than what God would, would have wished for them. And there was this, you know, this, you know, this relativistic 
attitude that we see with people where what's the big deal you know who's it hurting what's wrong with that i just like doing this <laughs> you know that sort of thing and so this morning that particular client contacted me to let me know that they had had a vision that I've been praying for for probably a year. <laughs> and, um, and it's a similar vision, but it was a vision where this person was shown their self-delusion and how they had um, the things that they had perceived were false. And the things that they were angry about at other people that they actually were able to see that their own failure, their own fault in the events. They were given to see what was real versus what was illusion and this person had been persecuting something that was quite real in God's kingdom and had been working very strongly in this whole worldly, you know, construct thing <laughs> that we, we all do, you know, the world. <laughs> um, but this person was also uh, very much like I was, you know, when I had that at experience myself and I've had more of those by the way not just that one I've had a lot of them <laughs> um, but um but this soul was able to literally see that oh my cup wasn't full everything was just spilled out over last night because they saw that everything they had put in that cup was meaningless it was pointless not only was it meaningless and pointless it was false and not only was it meaningless, pointless, and false, they were wrong. Not only was it meaningless, pointless, false, and were they wrong, they were actually going against God and not realizing it. And that's what pushed this client a little over the edge in realizing, but I don't want to do that. That's not what I set out to do. But somehow I didn't see it. And so the self-delusion is something that we all are vulnerable to. We're all capable of it. We're all easily very capable of it because we are very easily given to justifying um, bad behavior, justifying selfish pursuits, justifying worldly gain of all sorts. And what we often don't realize, we say, okay, well, who's it hurting? What's the big deal? Well, if you incarnate and you come here with a specific spiritual purpose that you are completely unable to fulfill because your glass is full with all of this false 
delusional, <laughs> pointless pursuits that is actually going against God. Well, what do you say to that? Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> then you've got a problem, right? Um, so what's happening is people, people are getting very lost by their, by their worldly full cups. And they're not even realizing that what, uh, what needs to be developed, nurtured, and created, pursued, disciplined in this life is not even being touched upon by almost all humanity. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't even know how we would quantify that, you know, 90% of human life is ignoring the purpose of their incarnation. So, wow, that's kind of serious, right? And so that's why it becomes so important then to actually learn how to discern. Ironically, the Catholic Church and other faiths and um, the mystical experience itself takes you through this. You, you, are, you go through mystical training, but even in the Catholic faith, and in other religious um, paths, there is a process that you can go through to learn, even if you're not having mystical experiences, where you can start understanding some basic fundamentals of discernment. So you can start looking at your full glass and looking at it with a different eye so that you might um, not be so inclined to just ignore um, things that might really be holding you back, really be hindering you from making progress in this life, in this world. You know, I think most humans would say, even if you're a total atheist and you don't believe, you know, anything happens after this life, well, maybe they wouldn't agree with this. But maybe, I don't know. But those who, um, most humans, if we die and we cross over and we face um, what happens in the afterlife and we realize that we've kind of missed the point of why we were born here, we didn't do anything. And in many cases, we actually did things that turned us further away from <laughs> the, the directions that we needed to go, I think most humans would say, no, that is not the outcome that I'm hoping for for myself. You know, we would all probably say that, but most humans would also not be willing to do that self-scrutiny that's required to actually see whether or not that's what they're actually doing. Does that make sense? Fully, yes. And that's a good segue moving forward because the second part of that question was about peeling layers of untruth. Yes. So in the mysteries of the redemption, let's just jump in with the ascension pathway, purification. 
and the eight phases and start with awakening because I think that's a good place to start peeling those untruths <laughs> and that self-delusion away. I'm going from liquid to peeling. <laughs> we can do that, right? We can do whatever we want. Yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, so we're peeling now instead of pouring stuff out. Right. So yeah, let's go ahead if that's okay with you and straight out of Prelude to a Dream. Sure. The first book of Mysteries of Redemption, Ascension Pathway, Purification, Eight Phases, starting with Awakening. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, the awakening phase often for uh, many souls will start out with positive experiences. And um, we are often taken into these positive experiences um, for starters to get us um, more grounded and ready to deal with things that are gonna be more intense further down the path, you know? So um, what can sometimes happen, and this is one of the important things during the awakening period, is that it's important not to think that when you have your first experience or your first, whether it's an out-of-body experience or if it's, uh, you know, if it's, uh, some other type, you know, of spiritual uh, awakening, because people sometimes have different types where, you know, it comes to them in different ways, um, that, um, that what you have seen or what you have experienced is all that there is to know. And what sometimes happens, because people don't realize, okay, you've touched that tip of that iceberg, touched just the tip and that tip is really big and then you know you've got you know so um and you know there is a real real tendency to think that way i remember the first time i had um my it was probably my second or third out of body experience beyond what i had at the age of nine um when i first started having them at the age of 22 and it was like the second or third i'm like wow you know i'm like oh my gosh how did i know how could anyone know there's so much you know and it's like i could not have fathomed how much more was coming you know so it's it's good to have that hindsight of knowing there is always going to be more and now you know i've, I've had had so much now that I know that there's always more that we God is too big for any of us as human beings to comprehend so there's always going to be more and so we can only speak to that which we've seen so in the awakening phase a lot of times it will be very positive there are some people who have some experiences that are different. So some people come in as like, oh, I'm scared and it's awful. And it's, you know, and so some people have a different experience that none of it is, you know, everyone is exactly the same across the board, but there are some, these, these phases that I describe are pretty similar to what people will go through. A lot of what happens in the awakening phase is the, the beginning stuff. You know, you experience being out of your body and you're like, whoa. And then you also learn how to use, uh, you know, learn how to experience vision, sight, uh, smell, hearing in the consciousness rather than the physical body. Then you have to learn things like how do I move? And then how do I move through physical objects? 
all of these things require some, uh, you know, some training and, 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 you know, trial and error. And then you start learning more, like you do a, a little bit around the astral plane, and then you start learning about corridors. And, and so you're going to start there. A lot of times people will start in the awakening with past life memories. Um, and things like this. And, and you're going to start also with your initial um, teachers, you know. So, you know, whatever your initial teachers are going to be, my, my initial ones began about the concepts of oneness. And that was with a teacher that I had named Emmanuel. And that's not the same as Jesus. He was a different Emmanuel. Um, and then, you know, it goes on to different teachers. And so that's a lot of what happens in that primary awakening phase. Okay. And then after we're in the awakening and we're moving into the co-creation phase, what can we expect well, that's where it, I thought, yeah, it's kind of hard. It's, it's hard for me to remember these, you know, so you'll have to kind of lead me through here. But sure. yeah, with the co-creation, that's when you start going into creative energies. So by the way, whatever your gifts when, may be. By the way, I want to say something really quickly. Sure. Um, so with the Wi-Fi, I told you that once in a while, it does that robot thing. Yeah. Are you able to see it on your side? I don't see it when it happens to my feed. It just, it just happened. <laughs> so can you start again with the co-creation? Because you were saying something really cool. And then it's okay. the, ro the robot thing. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. No so worries. Yeah, so going from the awakening into the co-creation. Yeah. The co-creation is when you're learning a lot about how um, creation itself works and how we work in co-creation with God. Um, and we also find out a lot about the cr creative spirits and the types of creative energies that are around us individually for the type of work that we are going to be involved in. So like uh, if you are a creative person, like writer, painter, uh, artist, um, musician, all those kinds of things. There's all kinds of realms where creation, you know, originates from. And these kinds of things um, uh, will be introduced to you. But if you're like an, a scientist or a mathematician, that's a whole nother sphere of it, you know, or um, whatever your particular sphere of vocation is in life, it will have a corresponding place of training where you're going to receive the creative energies that come from God and where it will be enhanced. Does that make sense? And it's, it's a really exciting time because there's a lot of really fun things that you get to experience and see. And there's a lot of acceleration, you know, during that period, tons of acceleration because it's all about... Um, getting you primed in your gifts, you know what I mean? So it, it really, it really, uh, there's a lot of that going on. Lots of vibrational raisings during that period. Um, and lots of really cool, beautiful realms you get to visit because these are the realms of creation. This is uh, beautiful places 
uh, I remember going to like the planet of the Assisi Marauders and the Temple of the Dolphins and um, you know the the cloudy realm where the different musicians were practicing their instruments and um, you know crystal cities in the skies um, uh, I that was also when I went to the crystal forest which has the you know the crystal rivers and the the trees with the crystal leaves and all the I mean you know come on I mean this is that's a time of great beauty you're just seeing the 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 spectacular and it's really that's when I was also introduced to my white-winged horse and his name is St. Harmony Crystal Fire and um, wow <laughs> I mean that's that's like one of the times of you know that's like one of those you know um, memorable times because you know I got to I would get to go out of my body and my white-winged horse would be waiting for me and I'd get to fly to the planet of the Assisi Marauders and um, you know learn about how creation works and all sorts of little molecular ways oh it was so awesome <laughs> you know so i mean there's just lots of really neat things in that period lots of really cool things there <laughs> <That's> great <laughs> sounds pretty okay yeah it was pretty okay yeah <laughs> it was just you know <laughs> those normal things <laughs> and and so this whole ascension pathway with the purification, what is our, you know, we're on phase two out of eight, what is our whole purpose of the purification? It's to identify slowly the dark elements within yourself and transform them to light. And so as you're moving through all this, you're continuing to have past life memories and you're going to start seeing patterns of behavior that come in from different lifetimes. You might see even patterns of souls. And you're going to see how you handled the same problem in different lifetimes. And, and then you're going to be like, okay, well, that didn't work. That didn't work. <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> and so then you then you have to start, you know, taking in all this uh, stuff and figuring out what is the way that is actually going to allow my soul to ascend beyond this karmic weight that I've been carrying, this this habitual behavior that I have not figured out yet, that I have not figured out the right outcome for you know which is perfect because that seems to lead right into the next phase which is surrender yeah uh, yes yeah, so there is a big uh big period there where you literally are learning how to surrender to the spirit and this is a because the when you're learning about creation you're finding that there is a flux of energy where there is impetus and then pulling back impetus and pulling back and that's the surrender and so when you're in the time of impetus you have to discipline yourself to be doing exactly what god is instructing you to do the inspiration of what you need to do but then when that that phase has passed 
then you go into the surrender where you have to surrender and allow the energy to do its work. And that applies as well to what's happening in your soul. This also happens in your out-of-body travel experiences where the impetus that you're going to see that um, movement. So, you know, it's like this. So there are, t you're pulling forward, you're pulling back, you're pulling forward, you're pulling back, pulling forward, you're pulling back. And so you're learning how to surrender to the spirit. There are actually a lot of rituals that you go through to learn how to um, release your own uh, control of the mind in the moment so that God can take over. And um, it's interesting because uh, when I was back doing those things, it's like you're like you're out of your body, you're in your spirit, and um, you're you're stationary, and you know you have a teacher who is telling you, you know, I need you to surrender. I'm going to teach you what to do, and I'm going to do this and this and this and this, and I want you to just surrender to what I'm doing, and you go through these different phases of it. But when you actually reach that moment where you surrender to God, literally what happens is it's like, it's like you fall back and it's like you soar <laughs> because you're literally falling into the arms of God. That's what surrender is in the spiritual journey is allowing God to do it. And so we have this tendency as human beings to have a real hard time with surrender because we're control freaks. And so, so the surrender process can be uh, something we have to go through some training on, but it's really beautiful. And you do go through different levels of it that continue well beyond just that third phase there. It continues throughout. But it is a beautiful thing because that moment that you reach it and you do it, it's literally like you fall back and all of a sudden you're soaring through space. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. That sounds pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> this, somebody should make a TV series out of this. <laughs> So the next good idea, good idea. Mm. <laughs> the next we have the rites of passage and initiation into the mysteries. This sounds pretty cool. Yes, now that is uh, that is a very mysterious and I mean truly one of my favorite. They're all my favorites, I guess. I'm going to just say that about all of them, aren't I? But. <laughs> But, you know, the initiations into the mysteries, it is, it's literally like you are taken into this mysterious energy that goes deep beneath what you've experienced to this time. And you're being taken into what would be signs, symbols, um, mysterious times in history, mysteries of different religious paths, um, I was always taken, I was taken back to them, these initiations into the Sphinx and what are the mysteries behind the Sphinx, all these um, things where you had to, had to go to the Garden of Eden, um, uh, all these uh, things, uh, you know, um, 
there is so much to be attained during the initiations <laughs> into the mysteries. But what you're actually working towards, because you're continuing again with the past life retrieval, you know, and what you're going to be moving towards um, near the ends of the initiations is when these past lifetimes come together as one and you are uniting with your higher self where your higher self is able to kind of descend into you your higher self being the highest aspect of you and then you're allowing like this higher part of yourself to operate through you it's it's you know it's bringing a little vibrational raising into your body you know and then you are bringing together the knowledge of all of your lifetimes into one place into your current moment and it's it's just such a powerful period because you're going through all of these you're literally going traveling forward and backward in time you're going into ancient temples and being shown mysteries of all sorts of things uh, you know Egyptian mysteries Christian mysteries um, mysteries that go back to you know the ancient Greeks and all sorts of things you know galactic mysteries which will unfold even more later you know, <laughs> you know? Um, but you know it's uh, it's a beautiful time a very poetic time which is part of the reason why the language changes in passage to the ancient because <laughs> because it's, it's it's just you cannot speak of it in you know mundane language you have to speak of it differently you just do it so would you say that union with our higher self and getting rid of self-delusion and peeling away all the untruths raising our vibration uh so that we can connect to our higher self would be one of our major goals in this lifetime as a soul yes but again you know again we're just touching that iceberg there's so much more beyond that so we're just getting started you know and so we're only on phase four <laughs> that's just that's just the purification pathway by golly let's get into the emergence of karma well and that's when the um, the karmic issues that you um, have been instructed about and seeing and reliving and remembering start hitting the ground. So these things start happening around you. Um, things from previous times begin to repeat themselves around you and you start learning about the mysteries of karma uh, around you and um, you have to it, there is so much involved in that <laughs> you, know? you have to unravel um the all the delusions that surround those past lifetimes that were ended in vain so to speak you know that that where you did not did, did not find the you did not find your way you know what i mean <laughs> And you have to try to understand these things and they become manifest. And you, 
it's it's a difficult period because you have to literally live in this world but you cannot just live in this world you have to also bring that understanding from the mystical realm the worlds of truth into the worlds of delusion otherwise you will not progress and it's very easy to get lost there because again the same habitual patterns will be placed before you and you know habits are habits so it's very easy to fall into old habits and do what we've always done but you're being challenged at that point to do something very different and to view it very differently to understand it very differently to literally go into it molecularly <laughs> so that you will take it apart this time and that you're you will your mission in life is to understand it and do it differently in a way that will provide literally resurrection for yourself and for everyone who's involved it's it's complicated um and it's difficult because of the fact that you're learning to bring what you're experiencing in the mystical into the worldly environment and it's made even harder by the fact that most of the time those other people who are going to be involved in your karmic pursuits are not going to be awakened so they're going to be doing this according to the way that they've always done it too and so you can't assume that they're going to be like oh hey yeah we're trying to figure this out let's do it hey you know they're going to be doing the same things that they've always done and you're trying to handle it yourself from this new awakened place differently but you have to recognize that they're not necessarily going to be doing it any differently because they may have they may be coming completely from the same place so it's difficult it's it's uh, challenging and um, you're you're challenged by the by the complicated relational aspects that you're faced with because you're relearning um, everything about well what is the proper way to um, handle these things and, and you know we're dealing with issues of the misunderstanding of the true nature of love eternal love and the misunderstanding of the true nature of destiny the the right the right use of destiny you know <laughs> um where where people get lost where people take the wrong paths where people do things that are inappropriate that cause um you know literally uh a, you know aborts in other people's has and you're trying to navigate this from a much higher perspective and alter things and you're trying to do it without anyone else's help most of the time because our own awakening is our own awakening we cannot assume that other people are always going to be on that awakening path with us especially those who have traveled the karmic pathway with us it's just not very often the case some i can't say it's never the case but it's not very often the case you know so we have to do it even though everyone around us may choose not to be or may not be even capable of it
they may have no idea where you're coming from because they may be completely on the ground. And how does the next phase mirroring of karma play into this? Well, that is when you start seeing the, you start seeing in the people around you, the things that you need to see in yourself. So a lot of, a lot of examples are brought into your perimeter where it's um, mirrored back to you stuff that you do not yet see about yourself. Again, self-delusions perhaps, or it doesn't even have to be all just delusions, but it can be things you don't understand or just haven't realized yet, you know? And, and so you, you have to become more acutely aware you know, you become more acutely aware where it's like you're paying closer attention and you're like when you see these other things. So even like, for instance, you see, you see a behavior that may not necessarily, you might not like in someone else. You have to become much more acutely aware where you can actually consider the possibility of how is this behavior mirroring back to me is there something in this that I need to see that is going on within myself that or or something that I'm generating that's allowing it or even something within myself that is similar to it that I don't realize don't see um, things like this and so God places around us in ways we least expect opportunities for this mirroring back where we, it's, it's kind of the, uh, the but for the grace of God go I period, where we become much more compassionately aware of how similar we all are. <laughs> you know, it's like we can all be very, very um, aware of the flaws of others, but not see that we're just exactly the same. You know, we do the same crap, you know what I mean? And so it becomes a good humbling experience, but it's also an awakening thing that we see more of it. You know, the more that we become aware of, the more we can do about what we become aware of. If we're not aware of it, we can't change anything. So, um, you know, part of the mirroring is becoming more and more aware, you know, because as you proceed through purification, you're going to be working to um, overcome some of the things that you are recognizing through all of these processes, all of these phases, all of these things that are being brought to your attention. And, you know, you're, you're, one of the things that happens in the out-of-body travel experience is that you're shown a lot of, you know, energetic truth about other situations, but also about yourself. So like, for instance, a good example of this would be um, something I wrote about in Mysteries of the Redemption where um, I got chastised about my use of words several times. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it, I, it was something that I, I had to get chastised several times. And um, it was brought to my attention. Energetically, it was presented to me where I could really see it energetically as an embodiment. 
And then energetically, it's also a given to me to experience the actual real consequence of it. Um, in several of the experiences that I had, it was um, shown to me to be, uh, you know, we would see a pool of rattlesnakes, you know, just snakes. Um, and then there were others, you know, where it was, it was also, I was just shown, you know, they told me I had a, a bee in words because of, you know, gossip. Um, and I can't remember what the other one was. It was a long time ago, but it was, um, you know, these things are brought to our attention. So it, it was brought to my attention. The energy of it is being given to me. I'm also given instructions about different texts, ancient texts I can read that will help me to become more aware of my words. And a lot of that was, you know, um, books on Lashonhara and Recluse, which are from Judaism. Um, and there's a book called Echoes in the Heavenly Court, which is by a Jewish rabbi. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, <laughs> but, um, but it's an excellent book on proper use of words. And, but this was something that had to be brought to me. And there are lots of things, you know, whether it was my issues with lust, whether it was my issues with, um, oh, losing my temper, um, overreacting to certain things, um, whatever. And these are the kinds of things that will be brought up um, throughout these things. And, um, in the, you know, in the mirroring, you have that brought to you, but then in the, I apologize because I've lost my place in my brain, but we were in the fault. What's after mirroring? What's after mirroring? After mirroring is the ignition of the eternal. Okay. Plane. Yes. And so, you know, so as you're bringing these um, things to your awareness and you are, these, these experiences are, actually making you feel, taste, touch, and see, you know, literally your own sin, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you're, you're understanding why it's, why it's harmful, why it hurts, why it harms other people, why it harms God, you know, all these things that are brought up. The ignition of the eternal flame cannot happen until we are starting to throw some of these things off. And so a lot of these things, you know, we're trying to literally become white as snow, you know, as it states in the Bible, we want to start removing these elements. And so, you know, the, the ignition of the eternal flame has a lot to do with the, um, the balancing of the masculine and feminine energies within our souls, but it also has, it's like a second initiation into the mysteries, which goes into, you know, ironically into the ascension, the ascension rites. Um, and the, you know, the ascension has to do with what happens when the soul reaches the point where um, death is no longer um, the uh, place that we go when we are finished here, you know, and I had this experience where I met the angel of the ascension, who, you know, wears a white robe, um, and his face is all light, 
and it shows out and his hands are alight and they just you know he's very 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 intense i painted him too but he's similar to the angels of death in that the angels of death wear the black robe and they have the skeleton for the face and the hands whereas the angel of the ascension has the white robe and he's all light you know he has no features in his face and his hands have no features they're just light you know and um the angel of ascension came when i had reached that point where i had ascended beyond the point where i would need to return to this earthly place for those particular karmic issues again um you know that doesn't mean that I'll never have to come here for other reasons. You know, that's all up to God. <laughs> but, um, but, um, but, the, uh, but that's what's happening. At, and you move into those rites of the ascension, which is, is very similar. You, you go into the Book of the Eights, which it has to do with the Book of Immortality, which is um, something that I received when I was going through the initiations into the mysteries, which was earlier but you receive your name into the Book of the Eights, and then the writing of the Book of the Eights is uh, part of the process of becoming immortal, um, which is not a physical immortal, it's a spiritual immortal. It's a spiritual attainment not a physical one. And so um, at the I, end, go ahead. I feel like there's something more that you need to say about the ignition of the eternal flame. Okay. Because we're coming, you know, there's the emergence of karma, the mirroring of karma, and that kind of lights a, a flame and you know, before we go into the ascension process. But I think that there's, there's something more that's going to come out. Okay. <laughs> let's see if i'm feeling what you're thinking here but you know um with the ignition of the eternal flame um well you know why don't you give me a hint of where you're heading and your I feel thoughts like there's an intense desire i one of the people i think i'd like to have on a podcast with us is somebody i've studied with since 1994 and he's an emotional genius. He's like 80 years old now, but he's been teaching uh, acting classes actually for 50 years. Yeah. And he believed that because um, the method of acting only works, they say, for 2% of actors because the other 98% have so many problems or difficulties or blocks or issues. And so he spent his whole life on helping people to break down these blocks. Yeah. And so when I was in his class, what would happen is each person would get up on stage individually. And so, okay, Larry, so how do you feel? Okay, and what's going on with you? And he's like, oh, you know, I feel tight in my jaw. I feel like people are watching me. I feel like I have to do something. But everybody had their own issues, whether it was their father that they were angry at, or they were never nurtured, or they have a vulnerable child difficulty or whatever it was they can't express anger and so i would see myself in every single individual every time so i'd be like oh i got that and then i would go into it because i really wanted to uh raise my consciousness and so i would just read all these hundreds of books and just delved into it because i wanted to 
So I, I felt like there was this ignition of some kind of flame inside of myself that made me want to purify myself of these things that I saw because I wanted to go to the next space. Yeah. So is yeah. that sound like, because that's what ignition of the eternal flame sounds like to me. It's like, it's, but if somebody doesn't have that fire where they want to do it, then well they do have to have the fire and that well and the fire is part of that process the ignition where it's bring being brought if you remember when you read it there's all these different processes where it's being lit you know what i mean because <laughs> it's got to be lit and you go through the psychedelics all the things that have to do with the psychedelic eyes and the psychedelic this and the psychedelic that because that has to do with the eternal you know, the, the psychedelic colors, um, that's another su su subject there, but, <laughs> but it, but there is a lot of like working out, uh, the final karmic thrusts in the ignition of the eternal flame and whatever the, um, blocks and, and restraints are to, you know, your own, um, balancing out as, uh, both, your masculine and feminine energies within you. Um, but also the, um, you know, there's a point in there where you, where you realize that you have to become that which you seek in order to find it. And um, so that's a big part of that, as well as the, um, the whole thing about the, uh, uh, hold on, my brain is is traveling here. <laughs> but you're bringing together, you know, these parts of your soul that are um, are not working properly together. So there's like the there's all these rites and some of it has to do with the phoenix some of it has to do with saint joseph some of it has to do with the, there was the buffalo the buffalo calf woman there was the um um you know there was the in, in the writing of the books of the eights there was the uh the introduction to the the golden angels and that whole thing the past lifetimes of meeting the people that you've known in all your past lifetimes that you had to meet in the spirit in order to be able to ignite the eternal flame and fully understand it. Um, there were um, a whole bunch of things in relation to understanding the uh, elements of change being the only constant of the eternal, <laughs> you know? Um, there was, uh, I remember Key. Um, I don't, do you remember Key? Key. He was the one who traveled. <laughs> he was one of, oh, sorry. He was one of the. Uh, you got to do that at least once every podcast. <laughs> yeah. right? He was one of the, uh, he was one of the uh, masters in the, in the rites of the initiations of the rites of ascension. And his name was Key. And he was, you know, he would travel through all of these, these, uh, these different realms. And it was like he came back and there was this taking the complexity and bringing it back to simplicity. Do you remember this? 
And as you're able to bring it back to the simplicity, but it's the complexity is all of it. You know, it's the whole karmic thrust. It's all the paths that you've, you know, gone on where you've gotten lost, but it's also all of this knowledge you've gained about these different religions, these different paths, these different mysteries along the way. And it's all of these things that you've learned about your soul and yourself and the things that you're trying to change and alter as you're going. And it's all coming back. You're realizing that everything that you have been seeking has been external and you're bringing it back to the internal and you're then you know and as you bring it back to the internal it's it's going to then rise up again because it's going to go back towards god but this is the beginning phases this first these first eight phases which is you know where you're still going from this karmic path which is very external and then bringing it back to the internal and realizing that everything you've been seeking outside of yourself is what you have to seek from within. And, um, and with that, and so it's all of these things. What? And with that, <laughs> that was a yes. good little, <laughs> so the Ascension pathway purification, and we went through the eight phases of that. And of course, I always want to bite off more than I can chew. And so <laughs> I wanted to go through the alteration pathway and the discipline process. But of course, we're almost two hours in. So we're going to have to go into those this discrimination and discipline process next time. <laughs> but that was great. So just to, to leave us with uh, just trying to do a short synopsis of the purification process just to kind of go over what we just said, but just in a quick kind of way, hey, the purification process is, and see what comes up. Well, the purification process is going inward and doing the work that, re that is required of us to identify the light from the dark elements within us and working towards altering the dark within us towards the light so that we can change that um that uh that balance so that we become more and more and more moving towards the light than we are literally towards the middle road so to speak here you know where it's we've got equal amounts of both we want to start becoming more and more compatible to higher and higher um realities rather than being stuck here in the worlds between good and evil, you know, we want to we want to move to the worlds of light. Want to graduate? <laughs> uh, can you leave us with a little prayer? Sure. Let's see. What are we going to do today? Well, Holy Mother. All blessing and all eternal truth. As we enter into this time of the 2020 period, we ask that you stand between us, between the earth 
and between God the Father and God the Son and continue to pray in intercession for us and to show us how to navigate these unusual times in which we have all chosen to be alive. And since we all do know that for whatever reason we agreed to be here at this time, I ask most blessed mother that you place within the hearts of all the faithful a wonderment and a grace to seek out the function and purpose of their existence and living during these unique times so that they may fulfill that function. And for those of us who are going to proceed through to the end of it all, to whatever it might culminate in, give us the grace through the power of Almighty God and the blessing and mercy of your divine Son. The grace and the wisdom to fulfill the function of our survival. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you, Brian. We'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>